The following content is not intended as a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Always Another Way podcast. My name is Marina Sprocky-Spriggs. And I have a master's in professional counseling. I am the Ippy Award-winning author of Stop Looking for a Husband, Find the Love of Your Life, and Nasty Divorce, A Kid's Eye View. I write positive divorce advice for the Huff Post, and I'm trained in clinical hypnosis. And this podcast speaks to out-of-the-box thinkers, and it's for those who hear the call of hope in always another way. And if you are very rigid and set in your beliefs, this probably isn't your cup of tea. However, you should note, taste can and do change. And speaking of tasting can and do change, this is something that we're going to be talking about today is alcohol. And um, to kind of circle this all in, but I'll do my disclaimer at the beginning. This is not an anti-alcohol, poo-poo, alcohol is the devil kind of show. This is just another way to think about it. And it's also going to maybe talk about my 180 view on alcohol. Um, so how I, how I got to this topic today... Uh, my guest that I was originally going to have on, uh, she had a scheduling conflict, so we had to move it. And Medium, which is one of my favorite websites for, you know, content to read, you know, sends me an email every week. And if you remember, that's how I found Rachel Ann Williams, the trans philosopher. She is on episode 27. Super, super good. Found her from Medium. Um, and then this, the email that came into my box the other day that got me, the title was, My Mother the Drunk. And um, I read that not because my mother's a drunk. My mother actually like, and she doesn't even really drink. She maybe like fake drinks, but um, <laughs> hi, mom. And, um, and, you know, I didn't grow up with alcoholic parents at all. But, um, but there is kind of like a little trick to alcohol. And um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get there because, so I read My Mother the Drunk, which was, you know, a story about a, a woman, um, her name is... Uh, Laura, Jane, Laura June, who talks about knowing since she was eight that her mother was an alcoholic, but then just kind of the secrecy. If you grew up with an alcoholic family, you know the, the secrets that kind of come around this, all, all the stuff that goes with having addiction as part of your family history. Um, and I didn't grow up with that. However, I found myself being a, a quality-heavy drinker and maybe at times addicted so as I'm going through this article, it leads me to another article, which is called Ask a Former Drunk. And the uh, question is, when do you know you have a drinking problem? So this um, article was written by uh, Sarah Hapola, 
And I had tried to get hold of her. I mean, it was super last minute. She's probably busy doing something, but she has a book called Blackout. And I'll put her information below, but I highly recommend you read this. And as I'm looking through this, reading this article, I'm going to read some of it as we go. I'm like, oh my gosh, she is telling my story. So um, the question starts out. It says, when do you know you have a drinking problem? And I'm going to read the first paragraph that Sarah writes. And I just want you to listen to all of this and see if any of it rings true for you. You want the clarity and peace of sobriety, but you don't want the emotional discomfort, personal reckoning, and social exile that giving up alcohol would entail. You want the sun-dappled joy of a Sunday with no hangover, but you want the liquid abandon of a Friday night. Over the years, I've had many wishes like this. I want to travel the world, but I don't want to pay for it. I want to lose weight, but I don't, don't want to stop eating cheese enchiladas. I want to lead a life of meaning, but I don't want to leave this cozy queen-size bed. People sneer about having your cake and eating it too, as if it's a weird thing to have cake in front of you and want to put it in your mouth. What else would you do with it? But I have never ever wanted to have a piece of cake and cram it down my throat at the same time like I did alcohol. And that's what she writes about. And then it goes on further in the article that says, college is really a training ground for becoming an alcoholic. And I couldn't agree more. And then this is where I'm gonna get into the part where the trick is that I didn't know that many people didn't know, but then even you don't think it's a trick because you think it's fun. Um, so we're gonna talk about blacking out. And she says in this article, not everyone has blackouts. Only about 50% of drinkers can have them. Although women are especially prone because we don't process alcohol as quickly as men and tend to be smaller. And the number of women who tell me they are blackout drinkers continues to stun me. And as I'm reading this article, I'm thinking, um, so I lived with six girls at different points in college and my drinking career started in high school with, of course, this, like everybody else, you know, everybody's doing it, even though everybody isn't doing it, but you think everybody's doing it, or all the cool people are doing it, or to be cool, you need to do it. Maybe you didn't think those things, but I did. And then also, you start drinking, and then it's kind of fun, it feels good. And then, you know, if one's good, two's better, two's more fun. And oh, now I can talk to people and I have confidence. And suddenly I'm way more fun and I'm the life of the party. And people like me a lot better drunk. I know they do. But then what if I drank more and more and more? And then, oh, then we like to play this game called, what did you do last night? So we would go out and just get super wasted, obviously blackout, somehow make our way home get up in the morning, and then we thought this was funny. We'd sit around and be like, what'd you do last night? I don't remember. Do you remember? No, I don't remember. Oh, wait, that guy. And then, ha, ha, ha. And that's not funny at all. But I certainly thought it was. And then this is where the, you know, this cycle of addiction, and it doesn't even have to be addiction because, you know, I wrestle with, 
you know, was I an addict at some point or not? Are you once an addict, always an addict? I'm just going to leave that on the table because I'm just going to speak for myself. But, um, yeah. So in hindsight, as I'm reading this article, I'm just thinking, what a freaking waste of a life. So starting at, oh, let's call it my freshman year, I'm going to say I probably went out every night of the week because um, uh, Mondays, I forgot what Monday night was. Sunday was ACDC cult night at Mustard's. Uh, Monday was something. Tuesdays, I think, was $11 buckets. Wednesdays at Fletcher's was something. Thursdays at High Energy. Uh, Fridays, I think there was something going on at Purity. And then, of course, Saturday you go out, and then we're back to Sunday, ACDC cult night again. So all these opportunities to drink alcohol and spend money and talk to people. And then, um, and then this is where, well, I guess we'll, I'm going to go one more from this article here to show maybe how this kind of just seems just so normal, or at least to me, I certainly didn't think that there was anything wrong with what I was doing um, because I was doing it. And then I went to the Ohio State University, and 60,000 other people, or maybe 50 or 40, I don't know, were doing it as well. And people were smart, so it wasn't like it was just like just dumb kids. It was a whole bunch of people doing it. And then this is from that article I read. Because everyone around you and all the pop songs and reality shows and teen comedies you consume and most of the websites you read and all of the advertising you see reinforces the idea that drinking is fun and not drinking is lame. And at the age of 21, everyone is on team alcohol, go alcohol, alcohol for president. And to stop drinking isn't as simple as making a personal choice to take care of yourself. It's to declare yourself an enemy of good times and possibly imperil your sex life and social life. So let's dive into that. Because I also, and this is part of that 180 thinking, um, and I'm embarrassed at probably a lot of these things I'm saying, but I'm going to let it go for team alcohol here. Um, I used to think, like, who doesn't drink? I mean, for real, like, who doesn't? Lame people? Like, who, and why would you go to a party without alcohol? That's got to suck. I mean, truthfully, thoughts in my head, not that I was, like, thinking that, you know, completely judging people, but just in my head, like, why would you do that? Oh, add some alcohol. This will be way more fun because does life suck without alcohol? Or maybe if you think life sucks without alcohol, as I maybe did, maybe there's something else in your life you ought to look at. But that's really hard to do because I know I did not do that for a very long time. So, um, so that's what you do is you play this game. And then, you know, what I forgot in all these fun so stories of super drinking and lots of friends and parties and, and I had fun. I mean, I'm not going to lie. It was, it was a ton of fun, but then that just overshadows the, oh, oh yeah. Wreck my car. Oh, oh yeah. Remember that time we drove down the wrong way down a one way street, but Woo, we didn't die. Or, whoa, the wrong way down an exit ramp. Woo, didn't die on that one. Or that we were really drunk and we got on the back of somebody's motorcycle and are going like this that we don't know. Whew, 
that was fun, or oh, I'm going to get to the worst part in a little bit. So that's what kind of, you know, you tell those stories like they're super fun. I almost died, but I didn't. And uh, I don't know, but maybe I'm just a little older now. But if I could think about the, uh, okay, so the seven days a week, maybe unless I'm sick, times the four and a half years I spent in college, somebody that's better at math will do that for me and say, uh, and then call it five hours a night from like bellying up, getting to the bar till it closes, and then maybe like, and then eating food afterwards, and then maybe even drinking or doing more stuff. So hours. And of course, maybe like you, I'm super smart when I'm drunk. You might be too. Talk about things. You know everything too. And then you get with other drunk people and then you talk about the same shit over and over again and you're all really smart. And then times all of those hours, times four years, times X amount of days. And um, gosh, what do I have to accomplish for it? I, um, mm, oh, hmm. Let's see. But maybe if I want to look in at the bad decisions that I made besides the drinking and the driving. And then maybe, um, I don't know, I don't accidentally hook up with people just walking on my regular day. But people do when they're drunk. And if you've seen that movie, so this article goes to talk about um, the uh, Amy Schumer movie, Trainwreck. And we like to jokingly use that word, train wreck. Yeah, we're a train wreck. Like it's a good thing. But she says here, when I think Train wreck and blackout are both reflecting a demographic of young, young women for whom excessive drinking and emotionally detached sex are both a power position and a potential handicap. And it's so much easier to acknowledge the first half, but not the second. Not simply among young women, but among anyone about anything. Ha 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 is way easier and way more fun than boo hoo hoo. So let's talk about this little second part here, the stuff that nobody wants to talk about, but sure makes the news a lot. Drinking and hooking up. And I can't tell you how many clients I've had, women that have come in in college that maybe didn't drink before, came from a different avenue, and just like, oh, I just think we're all drinking. And then I woke up and I was naked, and, um, and yeah, I think I had sex, but I didn't want to. And where does that really leave you? Usually in a place where you want to forget about it and drink again. And that starts the cycle. And then who's to blame? She's drunk. He's drunk. Maybe it's yes. Maybe it's no. Maybe we're both drunk. Maybe we're halfway there and we change our mind. Maybe we're drunk and later. Or maybe, oh no, or I don't know. Because you don't know you're drunk. But where in it? Does somebody ever tell you, and this is not victim blaming, but almost like, you know, you would maybe know there's, you know, there's bad neighborhoods, maybe not to go down a bad neighborhood dripping in like diamond jewelry with cash all out. Probably not a good idea, even if somebody like robs you, still the robber fault, but maybe not a good idea. Also, maybe not a good idea to just get shit face drunk and throw yourself with somebody else naked, and let's see where consent goes. So there's that.
And um, yeah, so what do you do with all of these kind of things with alcohol? And how could you maybe make better choices when, you know, maybe like me, I like a glass of wine sometimes. Um, it's fun. It's social. It sucks to be sober when everybody else is drunk until you then realize, wait, these people are talking about the same shit over and over again. And they're talking over one another. And what's really going on? So, you know, I just, I don't know about you, but I just kind of think with just all of this um, alcohol stuff, we could maybe make better choices in things that we do. And if you look at, you know, drugs comparatively, you can die from drinking too much alcohol. Somebody, multiple somebodies do every day. And there's always at least one on a college campus, fraternity or sorority, that takes that alcohol and just see how much you can drink. And maybe you've played that game before, like, let's see who can do the most shots. I've totally done that. Just not even thinking. It's completely stupid. So I just ask you, as another way to think about something, and this isn't the, the all or nothing camp. And you know, maybe if like you, you find yourself as somebody, maybe like me, sometimes. So sometimes I can have just one, but sometimes I can't. And so I don't know. It goes back to that, you know, I wanna travel the world, but I don't wanna pay for it. And that's something to think about with alcohol too, is to really, really understand what kind of comes with this liquid. At the first one, this makes you feel kind of good. The second one does something else. And then the 12th one, the 15th one, just does something entirely different. So there's a whole lot of space in between dying from alcohol, an alcoholic slowly ruining their life, ruining the lives around them, the secrecy that surrounds addictions and what people have to live with when they've got somebody in their life like that. And another a podcast you might look at that's also very related is one that I did with Johan Hari. It's called The Real Causes of Depression. It is episode 15. And in that, that brings us back to like, why, why do you drink? And why do you drink excessively? And that answer is gonna be different for everybody. But for me, um, you know, I was a teenager and I just really wanted to, I wanted to be cool. I wanted to be like everybody else that was doing it. And that I found in my own teenage mind 
that when I did, and this is what alcohol does, it lowers your inhibitions. So I'm no longer like super awkward and nervous to talk to people. I'm just, you know, I'm sexier, smarter, and better with a bunch of drinks. And so is everybody else. And then maybe you feel like, oh, well, it's almost um, like you bargain with yourself. I'll just do this, or mm, that maybe wasn't so bad, or uh-oh, I can't believe I did that, but let's just drink and forget about that. But the thing about forgetting about things that you did when you drank is you don't really forget them. Sometimes other people remember them, but there's this collective shame spiral that lives somewhere in your body where shame goes to die. But it doesn't die, it sits there, it rots and festers, and then it comes crawling back up at you as discomfort that you can do one of two things with. You can drink back down that discomfort, which I did that for a long time, like, ooh, whoa, you know, just that cycle. Or wow, you know, maybe that was really shitty. And I don't want to think of myself as that person that's lying on a bar floor, somebody's pouring a drink down my mouth. I mean, that's just, you know, I have two daughters and a son, and just thinking about what do I want them to be when they grow up? Not a bar champ. I really don't. I mean, I could have written like 20 other books in college, like, been in, like done a million better things for my health and for my life than but shit-faced drunk all the time. And sure, it was fun. I remember it as being fun, but I don't know. I've had a, a lot of fun not drinking since then. And I didn't quit, you know, drinking like a champ until, uh, yeah, my 30s at some point. So that's, a, that's just a real huge waste of time and a little bit of a waste of a life too. So if you do need help with alcohol related issues, there's always Alcoholics Anonymous, there's group therapy, there are treatment groups, there's rehab centers, there are many, many different ways that you can see if alcohol is a problem in your life, which I guess the answer to this question from um, Sarah was, if you think you have a problem, and if you're even asking, you probably do. Or you're paranoid. But either way, it's something that you should look at. And, um, and maybe like me, I didn't want to look at it, or I justified it as in, well, you know, my kids are asleep and I take an Uber and I'm just like, nobody really sees me, but oops, uh, you know, I don't know. If you have a lot of oops, uh, I don't knows. And, um, you know, but you're not an alcoholic, which you can not be an alcoholic and still have a lot of oops, ows, and o's. But maybe just a question for you to decide how does alcohol help you or hinder you in your life? And are there maybe some things that you're not looking at 
because they're uncomfortable to look at. And don't get me wrong, it's not fun to look at the uncomfortable stuff. I don't like it, that's why I avoided it for so long. But then when you do, you can see that it's, it's really not that scary, that a lot of people feel the same way. I probably wasn't the only one at 16 that was insecure or wanted to belong. And I'm willing to bet that probably 95% of my classmates felt the same. But I didn't know how to articulate it or to ask for help or to say, hey, I don't want to do this. Um, so that's about all I've got for today on this alcohol issue. And I just want to let you know that there is always another way to do things. Yeah.